Good. I'm really excited. You know, there's one thing I need to start, not to start things off on a negative note, but I just must say that um, me being the pastor here and, you know, Chris being our guest, there is something that I must say theologically I disagree with. I'm not all about skiing. I'm just saying he can have all the skiing he wants. I do not like to be cold and to me thinking about falling down because that's what I'd be doing a lot of. I'd just be cold, wet, and miserable, so... But I bless you, brother, and you're skiing, and have fun on Monday. But, you know, I just want to say a few things that I am excited about and that I appreciate. You know, in Ephesians 4, it says that Jesus gave gifts to the church. And he said those gifts, uh, and he names them the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. And the purpose and the function of those gifts is for the equipping of the saints to go and do the ministry. Right? And, and so often, um, we can think of the gift to come and do a show and dance so we can say, woohoo, good job, good job, good job. And I appreciate Chris operating in that function where he came to definitely equip the saints. Did anybody notice last night, those of you who were here, how many of you were here last night? Did anybody notice of all the, I can't remember how many they counted uh, healings and things that happened last night, 80-something-ish about that. Did you notice how many people Chris laid hands on and prayed for? Did you realize that it was the person that you see when you look in the mirror? That's who did the praying. That's who did the ministry. And that's where the results came from. Are you getting it? You know, and, and that's why I appreciate Chris, because you can see, because it's one thing to say, well, I'm here to equip the saints, and then he can say, okay, we're going to have ministry time, and then all 150 people line up and, and get prayed for by him. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, we've seen that model, and, and I know that, well, maybe at times the Lord needed to use that and everything, but those days are over. Because according to Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry is supposed to equip and then sit down and relax, and then the saints go out and do the work of the ministry. And so I'm just excited because it's happening the way that it's biblically. I mean, God's plan is happening. It's being laid out. And I'm so excited. And that's what impresses me about Chris. I know that is his heart. That is his heart. It's, it's about equipping you, us, so we can go and, and see Jesus get the stuff that he paid for. Amen? So I'm so excited. Um, and it's just going to keep getting gooder and gooder. I apologize to you, English teachers. Just get over it. So I'm going to keep saying it. Did you? All right. All right. <laughs> so I'm just excited. So I just want to encourage you to keep going. And one thing that I appreciate, too. How many of you noticed last night when Chris, you know, uh, when he had us laying hands on each other, and he said, just, just tell it to behave. Just, you know, say a phrase or whatever. And he, he wouldn't allow you to do more than 20-second prayers, right? See, one thing we need to remember is that what we're being equipped to do here in this sanctuary has to work at Walmart. A lot of the things we as Christians do in here don't work out there. I mean, if you're at Walmart and you see a lady and, and, and you get the opportunity to pray for her, are you going to break out in tongues? Yeah, if you do, you're probably going to scare her away. And a lot of times what happens, and it's not in the, this, isn't a, this isn't a put down or anything like that, but I'm just helping us to think and let our thinking change, that we get in prayer mode, and, and I do it too, I slip into it too, and we're going to pray for somebody, then we get in that, we, we assume the position, and we shun that, shun that, shun that, you know, and we, we break into building ourselves up, and trying to help, help something to happen, 
In, and I hope you realize it's not, about your pray, it's not about how you pray. Actually, we're not supposed to pray. You know, Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. There's, there are times when the Bible says pray, but he said heal the sick. And what Chris was training and encouraging last night was healing the sick. Speak to the condition. And so I want to encourage you to keep that in mind as you're learning and practicing and ministering to each other. Keep thinking, okay, is this how I'm doing this going to work in Walmart? Because when you approach someone out there, and I say Walmart, I mean out in public, you're only going to have a few moments, right? You're not going to have a 30-minute session. You're not going to be able, unless you have a hookup with the manager in Walmart, you're not going to be able to say, hey, can you guys put some worship music on the over, over, on the internet, or whatever you call it, the um, intercom. That's probably not going to happen. So you don't have to have atmosphere for Jesus to work. You know, Jesus didn't have to get in a good mood to start healing people. Amen? So I just want to encourage us, what is happening is phenomenal. And what I get excited about, because most of you are from Stillwater, you're from this area. A number of you, we have a pocket from Bartlesville, which is awesome. We have another pocket of you from, uh, from Arkansas. So I'm excited about these places being hit. Imagine when you go into, back to your community and you do the stuff that Jesus paid for you to be able to do. Imagine what it's going to look like. Imagine what it's going to look like at work in Walmart or wherever you do your shopping and everything, when you remember, oh, yeah, I have Jesus in me, and Jesus wants to be released to minister and love people and bless people. Amen? So let's just keep going. And again, tonight, today, I mean, even this morning, it's just going to be awesome, powerful. And tonight, and then those of you who are able to be here tomorrow, it's just going to get gooder and gooder. All right? Let's just stand and pray, and then I'm going to invite Chris to come on up and And let's just get after it. He's already got coffee, Benji. Somebody already hooked him up. The lady herself hooked him up. Where's Sarah? Sarah hooked him up. (laughs) Well, Lord, we're just so grateful to you. We're so excited. We're so happy and so full of joy. We thank you, Father, that we are seeing the manifestation of your kingdom flowing through your people. And, Lord, we know that puts a smile on your face. And we're so excited about the fruit that you get to have because your sons and daughters are doing what you've called us to do. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you. We say, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to deal with us, to, to challenge us, to convict us, to, to deal with any theology that is jacked up and that is not according to your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to deal with us because we know you're a loving father. And anything you want to say to us is for our good. And so we can be better equipped to honor you and to love people. So we honor you and we bless you and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome our brother, Chris. Hi, good morning, everybody. Okay. Everybody good this morning? I was furiously looking for my notes. I can't find my notes. So I'm just going to have to make something up. <laughs> I wanted to, this morning, I, um, you know, my, I was talking to the pastor this morning. Where are you? 
they're right there. And I mean, my heart really is just to see the simplicity of the gospel put back in the church. The healing ministry really is really, really easy. And I don't know how many healing conferences I've been to where they just make it so complex. And uh, I'm just, I just love to preach the cross and what was finished at the cross and what Jesus has paid for. And, uh, and just makes ministry a whole lot, a whole lot easier. Um, just hang on, bear with me one second. I can't even find a verse in my Bible. Where did you say it was? No, where's Benji gone? Benji. It's, I think it's in Mark. Okay. So I just want to see the, the simplicity put back, and I just want to see people healed, and I want to see the body equipped to heal the sick. And uh, like I said yesterday, I really do believe that the the day of the man of the man of God is over, and it's really about the day of God of man that we that we all get to do it. Excuse me, one second. Just for... skiing and coffee. <laughs> important things in my life and bacon <laughs> what I want to do this morning is um, um, I got so much that's on my heart that I want to that I want to share and incidentally in the break I'm going to do a book signing of my new book of overflow so I'll be out there and we'll, we'll sign those off um, I want to try and incorporate two messages or two thoughts into one and it's a journey that uh, that God t- that God has taken me on over the past couple of years, and um, <clears throat> I don't know where my notes are, so <clears throat> we are just going to. I don't know why I need notes. I I have them there for as like a safety thing, and then I hardly ever look at them anyway. Um, <clears throat> so what I want to do is I I want to try and incorporate two messages into one, and I really want to speak about ministering out of that place of rest. And this is not like a one hundred and one healing message. Um, you know, it's not 101, it's probably not 201 either, it's like 301. And I actually really want to minister out of or teach out of learning to heal the sick. I, I actually firmly believe that the laying on hands is a secondary anointing. Like we'll lay hands on them if we have to. I'm, I didn't say I'm against laying on hands, I just said that we'll lay hands on them if we have to. And I was absolutely struck that with the with the message uh of uh, in Mark chapter 5, where the woman with the issue of blood, it says that uh, she comes and she, uh, I've got several messages on this, but it says, uh, for if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus said, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned and asked, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now this, I actually write about this in walking in, um, oh, what's my book called? <laughs> no, the other one. Um, healing power. We're going to natural healing power. It's because I haven't had coffee yet. Okay, now it will start working. 
So I actually write about this uh, this in that book, so I'm not going to go into great detail of it because there's two parts, and I want to give you like a brief cap on part one and then delve into part two, which is not in the book. But it says um, in part two is really about how to see mental health and autism and, and the revelation that God gave me in, in seeing that healed. So the thing that got me here is that that the Jesus never laid hands on the woman. The woman laid hands on Jesus. He wasn't trying to heal anybody. He was just going about his business. And the Lord said to me about three years ago, what more would you see if you recognize the one that lives in you? If you just use faith to recognize the one that lives in you. So I went on this journey of simply recognizing faith, using faith to recognize the one that lives in me, that I became the more and more cross-conscious I came. You know, Paul says, I, I, you know, I want to preach nothing except Christ crucified. So the more and more cross-conscious I became, the more and more I saw of things beginning to happen through me. And it says here, it says here that, um, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, the, the woman was actually already healed when she touched Jesus. And then, and then he says, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Well, the word in peace is not actually a correct translation. The word should actually be go into peace. And I'd like to propose to you that many people, they, they, don't, they struggle to get well because they're not actually in peace. So perhaps the key to divine health is staying in peace regardless of what you're going through. Because Jesus says to her, go into peace, which is obviously proof that she wasn't in peace. So staying in peace could have been the key to retaining her healing and walking it out and walking in divine health. Are you guys with me? And what I see is I see so many Christians that don't operate out of rest or they're not in peace. And what we've done is that we've partnered with the problem more than we're partnered with the answer. And and a lot of people that I minister to is, you know, particularly in conditions, you know, like that are perhaps more, more terminal or more serious, they are so jacked up in anxiety that just trying to get them to a place of peace that you can actually minister to them because they're, they're coming like, I'm dying, I'm dying. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my family's going to do. You know, they're just... <clears throat> Excuse me, they're just, they're so ramped up on fear that sometimes it feels like you need to get them to this place of peace. See, I'm convinced that a Christian that walks in peace has the ability to torment the devil. And I don't know about you, but I just love tormenting the devil. It's one of my favorite things to do. But yet, most Christians are tormented by the devil. The devil shouldn't be tormenting us. We actually have the privilege of tormenting him. And you can actually torment him just by staying in peace. That regardless of the report that comes, is that you stay in peace. Because the doctor will give you a report, but that report is a report of fact. I'm not against doctors. Many of my best friends are doctors. I've got a number of doctor friends in in Auckland. A um, pediatric surgeon is my friend. An orthopedic surgeon is my friend. 
I got I got lots of surgeons, so I'm not uh, lots of uh, doctor friends, so I'm not against I'm not against doctors, but a doctor will give you a report when you go to see the doctor. It will give you a report of fact. Fact is you, you sitting in that blank chair have cancer. That's just the fact. And I think that we've done an incredible injustice in the church by sitting down with our doctor and our doctor tells us something and we argue back with him. No, I don't. It's like, no, no, no. You have cancer. Fact. Well, I'm not going to the doctor because I'm just standing in faith. No, no, you're standing in fear. You're not going to the doctor because you don't want the doctor to tell you the facts. But there's a difference between fact and truth. See, the fact is is that you may have cancer, but the truth is, is that he's the healer. See, God is not the spirit of fact. He's the spirit of truth. And we need to be people that are aligning ourselves to the spirit of truth. And it's not, it's not a matter of denial of the report. I'm just beyond that. You know, like, well, I'm just, I deny that report. No, it's just not true. No, 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 it's fact. But yet, what is your attention drawn to? My attention is not drawn to the fact. Because I don't want to elevate that fact above truth. My attention, I don't want to be impressed what you're impressed with is what will manifest. So I don't want to be impressed with the fact. I want to be impressed with the truth. And I'm going to feed myself on the truth of what, of what he says. And I'm going to make sure that I stay in that place of, in that place of peace that regardless of the report that comes against me, like I got, I got so many reports that come against us, you know. I'm I'm battling with the stuff with my daughter, you know. Like I shared yesterday, is just big grand mal seizures all the time, and I got, you know, we get letters from the doctor all the time that are just full of facts. I mean, it's enough to discourage anybody when you read those reports, and it's like, but I just keep on aligning myself that God is this, He is the Spirit of Truth, and I'm gonna whose report are you gonna believe in? And I'm going to stay in peace. And the more that I stay in peace, the more that I minister out of peace. You know, Jesus was in a um, Jesus is in a, a storm. <clears throat> See, the storm may ra- rage around you, but we cannot let the storm rage in us. And we wonder why we don't see fruit, because many of the believers have got the storm raging inside us. And you cannot give away what you do not have. And if you've got a storm raging inside you, you do not have peace inside you. You have a storm raging inside you. And I don't want someone ministering to me that has a storm raging in them. I really don't mind if they have a storm raging around them. You will only have authority in the storm that you can sleep in. You know, the disciples are out on the boat with Jesus and a storm cuts up and they're all flipping out and think that they're going to die and they, you know, wake Jesus. Jesus, you don't care for us, do you? Wake up. I mean, where's Jesus? He's asleep in the storm. He's got his blankie on and his pillow out and fast asleep. See, we can really only have authority in the storm that we can sleep in. I'm not so sure that Jesus responds to our 
uh, how do I say this? Jesus doesn't respond to the sound of the storm. He responds to the prayer of his kids. The storm didn't wake Jesus. The voice of his kids woke Jesus. We've got to learn to sleep in the storm. I'm not prophesying it, but I got a funny feeling we're all going to have some storms in life. I'd like to think that we're not, but it's like, man, I got storms raging around me all, all the time, but I'm going to stay in peace. So I went on this journey of learning to hold my peace, just to hold my peace. The storm's raging, recognizing the one that lives in me. And then, and as I began to recognize the one that lived in me, I, all these people started getting healed without me, without me praying for them. It was kind of bizarre. There was all sorts of miracles happening where people were just like, I walked past you and I got healed. And I was even going to the bathroom at Bethel one day and the, and the lady reached out to grab me to ask me something, you know, reached out and, she, and I was just one step ahead of her and she, she missed me and her hand came down my back, didn't even touch my back. And uh, she got healed, came out of the toilet and she goes, ah! I got healed. I was reaching out to grab you to ask you something, and I, I got, I went to grab you, and I missed you, and I got, and I got healed. And the Lord was showing me that's how healing ministry should be, that we become so consumed with the One, that we're so consumed with Jesus that we actually create this atmosphere within us that where we show up people should just get healed when we when we become so consumed with God I was doing a um I was studying for a degree a few years back and uh I went to uh three-day block classes in different places of the United States and I was in Reno Nevada doing a three-day block course that was on economics and uh and um I went into this I went into this class and and as a teacher, I did not know, and as classmates, I did not know. There was about 20 of us in the class, apart from the only person I knew was the friend that I went there with. And we walk into this class together, and, and I, when I talk about recognizing the one that lives in us and healing people without laying hands on them, I'm not talking about being weird. I don't walk into a room like, hmm. <laughs> I, I just want to see the weird taken out of Christianity. <laughs> Some healing conferences I go to, I feel like I'm trying to heal them from their last healing conference. <laughs> I'm just recognizing Jesus in me because I've because of Christ-centered, cross-centered, you know, of who He is in me. So I walk into this class and we sit down. And uh, the lady, the lady, uh, the teacher, her name is Tracy. She says, uh, "We're going to go around the class. And we're going to introduce ourselves, and I want to know what you do for a job and where you're from." And now I never tell anybody where I'm from. Uh, I'm not from. Sorry, I don't tell them where I'm not from. I tell them what I don't. I don't tell them what I do, right? And I create titles. I told you that yesterday. I think, right? You know, author, physician's assistant. You know, like all sorts of all sorts of crazy titles. I make them all up on the spot. Sometimes I got about about 20 up my sleeve. It's not lying. It's just an extension of the... It's, it's the truth. <laughs> I was going to say it's an embellishment of the truth, but no, it's not. I am a teacher. <laughs> I am a physician's assistant. 
one one man said um i told him i was a physician's assistant and he goes really and i'm like yeah and he goes oh, who's the physician i said oh, it's my father huh. <laughs> <laughs> go think fast <laughs> So I walk into this class to do this, um, to do the, and so she's, she's like, okay, we're going to go around the class and we're going to introduce ourselves. And my friend turns to me and he goes, he says, <clears throat> um, she's looking towards me and he goes, oh, I think you're first. He's, and I'm like, hey, I better come out with the title. <clears throat> and she goes, she could see my name badge and you're Robert. She says, uh, where are you? T- introduce yourself. And I stand up and I said, my name is Chris Gore. I'm a New Zealander. I live in Redding, California, and I'm a public speaker and an author. She goes, welcome, Chris. Next, we move around the class. The third day of the class comes, and it's meant to finish at 4.15, and it's 4.30, and my wife's upstairs with the kids, and my cell phone won't work because it's under, under the ground. My cell phone won't work, so I can't text her to tell her I'm running late. I paid a fortune to do this class, right? I had to pay $20,000 to do this class. I, I will leave when I want to leave. <laughs> And uh, so I just got up and I started packing my bag to leave. And she stops, she stops the class and she goes, Chris, where are you going? And I said, um, I'm going home. And she said, I needed to talk to you in private. And I'm like, yeah, I need to go because the class is late and I got a three-hour drive home and my kids are hungry and I need to go. And she said, could you please stay? Please, just, I really need to talk. You and I need to talk. She's talking in front of the class. You and I need to talk in private. And I'm like, well, if we're done within five minutes, I've got to go within five minutes. And she goes, I promise you it'll be no longer than five minutes. And I'm like, okay. And she turns like this and goes, class, dismissed, have a good life, goodbye. (laughs) And she says, you, come with me. And she marches me out a little back door into a corridor and I know what it's like to be marched into the headmaster's office. I, I was one of those kids. Yeah, I've been there a few times. <laughs> I went to school in the day where they're allowed to cane you, and they're allowed to cane you until you bled. When you started bleeding, they had to stop. <laughs> so I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> and I felt like I was off to the headmaster's office. And this um, African-American lady, she was a big, strong lady. She had muscles on her muscles. And she, mar- she marches me out this back room, and she looks at me, and she goes, Right. She goes, who are you really? And I said, uh, my name is Chris Gore. I'm from New Zealand. I live in Redding, California, and I'm a public speaker and an author. And she goes, now tell me the truth. And I'm like, ah, why? <laughs> and she said, when you walked in here the first day, she said, I saw something on you, and I want to know what that is because I've never seen that on anybody before. Who are you really? And I said, did you see something good or something bad? <laughs> she goes, it, I, I never found out what it was apart from she said it was good. And I, and I said to her, well, if you put it into a, a term that perhaps you might understand, uh, yes, I'm a public speaker and an author, but perhaps you could call me like a worker of miracles. And she goes, I knew there was something different about you. She said, we're not allowed to swap phone numbers with students, but here's mine, give me yours. <laughs> and uh, we, I, we want to liaise, and I, was able to, and I was able to get my book to her and her read my book. See, what more can we 
do? What, how much more can we shift an atmosphere because we're just recognizing the one that lives in us? See, this is not about trying hard. John 15, it doesn't say he who tries bears much fruit. It says he who abides bears much fruit. It's just recognizing the one that actually lives in us. Now, I don't have time to tell this part of the story. It's it's on the message out there called Accidental Miracles, and it's in the first book. But then I went on this journey of seeing all these ladies that had messed up menstrual cycles and were unable to conceive babies get healed. And when I wrote that chapter in the book, it was, I think it was 35 testimonies. I stopped counting at 150, and it's well beyond that now. And only a few of them I actually prayed for. And why I didn't, it wasn't like I was going after women with messed up periods. It's like the last thing I'd want to go after. It's like I got three teenage daughters and a wife. I got enough of that going on in my house. <laughs> So it wasn't like I intentionally, like, all right, I'm going to heal ladies with messed up periods. I mean, I'm just in a class, and I'm just speaking about the power of peace. And I stand in front of, I stood in front of a man, and I said, and Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole, go into peace. And I stopped, and I said, oh, you wouldn't have that problem. You're a man. And I stepped to the next lady and I said, and Jesus said to the woman of the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole, go into peace. See, you can only give away what you know you have. But yet the church is trying to become at peace with God or according to Philippians 4, you are already at peace with God. See, I just long to see a church that actually starts recognizing that they're at peace with God and they're forgiven. Most Christians, in my personal opinion, most Christians don't even believe they're forgiven. That's just another whole message of living forgiven that I've got that we don't have time for. So stand in front of this lady and I say that. That was Tuesday and then Friday night, I'd lead Friday night services at Bethel Friday night, she comes up to me and she goes, hey, you remember me? And I'm like, no, I don't. And she goes, Tuesday in class. I'm like, no, I don't, sorry. She goes, I was on the front row. Remember me now? And I'm like, no, I don't, sorry. And <laughs> I meet so many people. Like, it goes in one ear and out the other, you know. You could, tell me a, you could tell me your greatest sin or your biggest secret and give me five minutes and I'll forget. <laughs> like, <laughs> I should be a father in a confessional box, shouldn't I? <laughs> And she said, remember when you stood in front of that man and you said, your faith has made your whole going to peace? And then you stepped to the lady and you said, and I'm like, yeah. She goes, I'm the lady. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, yay. And she goes, I got a testimony. I got healed when you stood in front of me. And I'm like, healed of what? She goes, I was healed of polycystic ovarian syndrome. The doctors told me that I'm, it's going to be very difficult for me to ever have babies. And being a naive male, I'm like, well, how would you know you're healed? She goes, while I was sitting there, I got my first period. And I'm like, that's awesome. I said, yay for periods. (laughs) (laughs) And I 
I, I, took, I took her hand. I took her hand and I said, well, you, she had a ring on. I said, you go home and make some babies then. And I said, that is a wedding ring, right? She goes, no, it's a purity ring. I'm like, you get married first. <laughs> See, I, I thought... I'm, I'm like, oh, that's kind of canny, you know, like, I wonder if it was just a coincidence, you know, like, you know, it's like, because I don't feel stuff, it's not like I, I feel the healing anointing flowing out of me, you know, I don't see angels fluttering around the room, I just see paint on the walls, you know, I'm not wired like that, and uh, so, so I thought, oh, that's kind of canny, you know, it's a bit of a coincidence, you know, like, I didn't tell her that, it's just the way I was processing, and she goes, and I want to tell the whole class about my period. And I'm like, you're welcome to, I'm not. <laughs> so she got up the next week in class and she told the class about her period and the lady stands up and she goes, she's real bold, she goes, you know what, the funny thing is, is that I've gone through pre- premature menopause and last week when he said, your faith has made you whole, go in peace, she said, boom, I got my period back. And then the stories just kept on coming in, one after the other after the other, and wherever I preached the message, which you're only getting a little tiny piece of, the ladies, they just keep on writing to me and they're like, like ladies that can't conceive are having babies. I'm not trying to heal these people. I was just going about my business of being cross-conscious of Christ as the center, using faith to recognize the one that lives in me, not being impressed by the problem, but only being impressed by the answer. Some of the stories um, they, they are weird. Uh, some of them are like weird, weird, weird. I, get, I used to get letters of complaint about this message. Start throwing those out too. Religious people. You wouldn't be complaining if you're the one that got healed. <laughs> some of them are so strange. I'm in Trader Joe's. I don't know. Do you have Trader Joe's here? You know what it is, right? I love Trader Joe's. I'm in Trader Joe's just getting a salad for lunch. And I'm, and I'm looking at, a, uh, at a, um, a salad. I forgot what one it was now. It was like a kale salad. I'm just looking at this kale salad. There's only one left. I had it. There's a student watching me. She wants it. I didn't know she was a student. You know, we've got 2,000 of them. I don't know them. They know me, you know. So I just put the salad down and I pick up a quinoa salad and walk out. She scoops in behind me, picks up the salad I was holding, and boom, on the spot, 18 months, no period. It restarts in Trader Joe's. I mean, that's not, that's not the weirdest one. The weirdest one, and I'm not meaning to be offensive. I'm just going to tell you as it happened, was a, um, a young lady. She was a second-year student. And uh, she just and she was pregnant and married and pregnant and I didn't know that uh, I didn't I don't I just wanted a group of students to come and help minister to some pastors so we asked for some second year students so I was ministering to 150 pastors and so we're in this class and this and uh, she's in the back but what I didn't know is that she'd just been to the OBGYN because she had a problem with her uh, pregnancy and on examination they found. A large blood-filled polyp in, inside. 
And the doctor had told her that we need to, um, she goes, can you cut it out? And she said, well, we can, but there's a high chance that it will cause an abortion uh, or miscarriage. The baby will be lost, you know. She goes, well, I'm not going to do that. And she said, well, the doctor said, we're going to do weekly appointments because as the baby grows, so will the blood-filled cyst. So we're just going to evaluate it every week. And she goes, and I didn't know any of this. I didn't even know she was pregnant. She leaves the OBGYN. She comes to the conference where I'm speaking to pastors at Bethel, and I'm speaking about the power of peace. And I had everybody stand up and step into peace. Because I just hate seeing Christians in torment. So I had these pastors stand up and the ministry team all stepped into peace as well. And then I had the ministry team go around and just lay hands on pastors. I still didn't know she was pregnant, though she was was showing. And she goes home from the meeting. I'm not meaning to be gross here. I'm just telling you as it is. She goes home from the meeting, from there to home, from the meeting straight to home. She steps across the front door to her house to step into her house. When she steps over the door, she sneezes and blows it right out, not out her mouth. She goes, she puts it in a jar and emails me, do you want to see it? I've got it at home in a jar. I'm like, my name is Gore, but that's too gory. <laughs> no, I don't want to see it. She goes back to the doctor for an internal examination and there's not even a scar where it came out. I lost count of the ladies that have got pregnant. And it's just simply by recognizing the one that lives in me. Most of these ladies I haven't even prayed for. They just kind of hang around. Got a reputation. My wife said, you've got a reputation for getting other ladies pregnant. I'm like, yes. (laughs) You've got to hear that in context, right? I want, to, I want to shift gear into the second part of this message. Because as we, then the Lord began to speak to me, like first it was how much more would you, how much would you see if you use faith to recognize the one that lives in you? And then he said to me, how much more will you see if you use faith to recognize the one that you live in? He takes me on seasons. I'm just a seasonal kind of a guy, you know, like, take me on a season of understanding grace and faith and love and then I go around the circle again he shows me another layer of you know identity and you know I'm just on this continuous journey of of learning things and sometimes it's many things at the same time and uh so I so I go on this journey of of really beginning to recognize the one that I that I live in let me just find my notes for this See, the more that we're aware of the peace of God within, the more that we will affect the world around us. Our internal reality must be greater than the external reality. We have to be people that minister out of rest. And it's it's not our prayers that get people healed. I find it really funny when sometimes, I mean, it didn't happen here, so I wasn't, I'm not pointing at anybody here, but sometimes you're, we break off and we get people to pray for each other like we did last night. And there's always one that has to feel like they've got to shout. You know, like they're just yelling at the person, you know, like, you got spirit of infirmity. And it's like, no, I, I don't think that person's at peace. 
You always find the insecure ones by how loud they pray. It's just like recognizing Jesus in us. It's not the trying hard that gets them healed. It's the abiding that gets them healed. Just releasing Jesus out. We've got that inner confidence that we know that Christ, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And we just let him out. It comes by rest. And then the Lord showed me um, a scripture which I want you to turn to. In John 14, turn to John 14 and, we'll, and just put, put your finger in that and we'll come back to it. I'm in the New King James. But in Romans 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6. It says that peace of, uh, this peace of God is not something we're trying to get. It's actually something we've already got. But yet if we don't understand, we don't already have it, how can we actually give that peace away? And that's why I'm so, I'm so wanting to get see Christians know that they're forgiven and that we have the peace of God and begin to minister out of that place of rest, not that place of trying hard. And then God began to show me that, uh, that peace, operating in that peace, is one of the most powerful things that we, can, that we can do because we're recognizing we're in him and he is in us. Like I shared yesterday, Galatians 2.20, no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. So we actually became we. We're in union with God. We're in union with the spirit of Christ, that you and him are are one. You're not two separate people. That you're one. I didn't say you're God. I said that's. I, I said yesterday. He he took up. He took up. He came inside you not because he was homeless, because he was homesick. That you and him became became one. And then and then um, so I'm ministering. I had this real heart for autistic kids, and I'm wanting to see autistic kids healed. So I hang around people that are seen fruit. In, in particular areas. So I wanted to hang around people that are seeing fruit in autistic kids. It's like, of this, I gotta learn something. And I hang around a gentleman who has seen, who has seen some fruit. He's an, he's an elderly gentleman. He's probably about 85 or something like that now. And he's still in full-time itinerant ministry. And, uh, he's been, he's become like a wonderful father to me in, in many aspects. And uh, so I hung around with him and I was watching how he was praying and he'd come up to these autistic children and he'd just lay their hands on their head and say, peace. That was it. And uh, that's when I really got the revelation of like, how can I give away? How can you give away peace if you don't know you're at peace? You can only give away what you know you've got. And I realized that was the journey of really coming into that place of recognizing the Prince of Peace that lives in us. And then in John 14, 27, God showed me this verse. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many of you know that English is not God's first language? It's New Zealand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
English is not God's first language. And I think sometimes when I, I love the Hebrew and I love going into the Greek and the original languages because I think often the English Bible mistranslates so much stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just a deeper meaning. It's a truth and there's a higher truth, you know. So I go into, I love studying different verses out and word contexts and what it actually means. I see all the Greek and Hebrew dictionaries I've got in my house. And my wife's like, don't you buy one more book. <laughs> and and this, is, this is what it says, right? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, but not as the world gives you do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I started studying that verse out. And this is what it actually means. Peace, in the original language, means shalom. Shalom is a Hebrew word. Shalom, if, you write, if I wrote the word shalom out, it's in, it's in symbols in Hebrew, which actually means the spirit that destroys chaos. That's what the message is called out there, the spirit that destroys chaos. The spirit that destroys chaos. See, autism or mental health is just simply chaos in someone's mind. I think there's sickness is just chaos in someone's body. And then it says, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. So the word there, give, actually means like a rich man would bequest his inheritance to somebody. Now, if you're a banker or a mathematician here, this, this is not going to work. Just turn off logic for a minute. Let's just say that God is a millionaire. He, he's way more than a millionaire, but let's just, for the illustration's sake, he's a millionaire. He's got $1 million in his bank account. And there is 1 million believers. And it's inheritance day. That would mean that we get a dollar each. But that's not what that means. What that means is that you get everything he is. He's only got a million to give away. But what that means is that you get a million and you get a million and you get a million and you get a million. That we, every one of us, get what he is. So what it's actually saying is this, the peace, shalom, the spirit that destroys chaos, I bequest to you. Now, let's put this into the context of what's been said, is that the disciples have been hanging around with Jesus. And they've seen him do some extraordinary miracles. They're out on the boat. The storm cuts up. They freak out because they've lost their inner peace. Well, notice Jesus hadn't. And he stands up. And what does he say? Shalom. spirit that destroys chaos and the ocean is now the disciples must have been thinking did you see that how the heck did he do that let's try (laughs) why is it not working for us see Jesus didn't freak out in times of financial need he just released some of that shalom out there Oh, we don't have money for the temple tax. Just catch the fish. You'll find a gold coin in its mouth. He just spread that peace. He spread that shalom wherever he went. 
So the disciples must have been absolutely scratching their head thinking, what the heck? How, how is he doing this? See, that peace, there's peace for, for provision. There's inner, inner peace. There's peace for the storms of life. There's peace in relationships being reconciled to one another. Romans twelve eighteen is in as much as possible as it depends, be live peacefully with all men. So the disciples are like, how did he do that? Like, I think we're missing something, John. And then Jesus turns around and he says, the shalom that destroys chaos is what I'm walking in. It's the inner peace, boys. And I now inherit it to you. And he gave us that peace. So I just figured that if autism is chaos in a brain, which it is, it's a lack of delta waves in the brain or an overreaction of delta waves in the brain. And if that's chaos, then this prince of peace, which is the shalom, the spirit that destroys chaos, that if I can use faith to recognize the one I live in and the one that lives in me, then surely I can just put my hand on these little brains of these autistic kids and just say, Shalom. Knowing what backs it up. It's not about the words. It's what we know. It's the knowledge of the truth sets us free. I know what, I know what that word means. They don't need to know what it means. I know what it means. So I'm praying out of that place of like, the backing of knowing what's behind that word, shalom. And all these kids start getting healed. Significant breakthroughs. Please, please don't give, I pray for hundreds of kids that I haven't seen healed yet. I, I have not arrived. I, I honestly feel like God has another layer on this for me to get, which I haven't got yet. But I tend to get revelation as I steward and walk revelation out. Then he's like, now I'll give you another layer because you've been faithful in what you got. 47 breakthroughs with autistic children by laying hands on them. And that is all my prayer has been. But isn't it interesting that in charismatic and Pentecostal circles that because the child acts differently, we think they've got a demon and we're trying to cast the demon out of them. I do special needs healing conferences around the world for special needs kids. I think I've done six now. I think it is. And I've got a, I've got a big one coming up in Switzerland in, in October. It's a special needs family weekend. Because I don't want to just see the kids healed. I want to see the parents healed. Because there's not much peace in many of those homes. How can we create a, an atmosphere within the home for the kid to be healed when the parents are strung out? So during the day, we're going to minister. My wife and I are going to, it's our first conference we're going to do together. And we're going to minister to the parents during the day and then at night. And all the kids are going to be in another room looked after by special ed teachers and stuff like that. Then at night time, they're going to bring in all the kids and we're going to just have a grand old healing service. We're going to get on the floor and play with these kids and get them healed. Just spread some shalom around. And one by one, these reports Coming, coming in, and some of them are dramatic. Where some of them have been, uh, there's been about four now that have just been 
instantly healed when they've been prayed for, like into their right mind. Like overnight transformation. See, it's all coming out of that revelation that I must have an inner peace, that it's not my smart and polished prayers that get somebody healed. And that's why I don't, that's why I don't teach formulas. Oh, well, just tell us how to pray. I could tell you how to pray, but it's the inner reality that's going to cause the result. I could tell you how to pray. I could say, just pray shalom over them, but you not have, a, not have an understanding of what actually backs that, and you're probably not going to see a lot of fruit. Are you guys with me? What time we finish? 11 or 11.30? 11.30, good. <laughs> So then I um so then I was in um I was in England and I, I touched on this yesterday but I, I wanna I wanna bring it into the context of it. I'm in England in October two thousand and fifteen. I I touched on that yesterday, right, when I was in government, led that lady to the Lord that first jumped in the boat, you know, I shared that yesterday, right? Some of you are like, did you? <laughs> Some of you are asleep. I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm ministering at a church in a city called Reading. Reading, United Kingdom. And, and I was super tired and we'd had a great night. A lot of people healed and stuff. And a lady comes through the crowd walking towards me that obviously didn't need much discernment to see that she had mental health issues. I don't say that in a derogatory way. It's like I just got great compassion for people that have mental health issues. Like you didn't need to look hard to see that she was oppressed, really oppressed. And she comes towards me and she stands in front of me and I'm like frantically trying to get out of it. Because I was so tired, I didn't have any peace. I didn't have anything to give. I was just like, I just wanted the peace of my pillow. And I wanted to go, and I'm looking for my interns to step in to try and circumvent her that they can deal with her so I can go home. And they were busy, so I'm now looking for my driver to find them. My driver can whisk me out of here before I have to deal with her. And uh, she stands in front of me, and she says, Chris, could you pray for me? And on the outside, I'm, on the outside, I'm as cool as a cucumber. But on the inside, I had a hurricane going on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And she and I said, how can I pray? And she said, I got post-traumatic stress disorder. I've got disassociate identity disorder. I've got body morphic disorder. I've got anorexia nervosa. She said, I'm, I'm suicidal. I have suicidal voices in my head. I'm a schizophrenic. I have suicidal voices every day of every minute in my head. And she said, and I've got a damaged hip. And when I went to the doctor, my husband didn't even, her husband didn't even know about this. She said, I'd gone to the doctor. And while the doctor examined me, he raped me. I got the doctors. I'm under the head psychiatric doctor of all of England i got this letter here. It'd take me five minutes to find it, but the letter says that she's the worst-case post-traumatic stress disorder patient that they've seen in the United Kingdom, and she needs to be institutionalized, medicated and institutionalized. And I said, all right. And I'm, like, I'm just telling you the truth. I'd lost all peace. 
because mental health is not something I've gone after. I'm like the physical guy, the physical healing guy. But though I've been going after autism, I felt like God had given me a revelation and I had faith for this, but I didn't have faith for that. Especially when they tell you all the problems. It's like sometimes the least we know about someone, the better. She said, I've been to every inner healing thing that there is. I've been to every counselor that there is. I've sought professional help for 20 years and I have got no breakthrough and I am at the end. Will you pray? And I'm like, sure. On the outside, I'm like, sure. On the inside, I'm like, "Ah, why me? (laughs) And I said, let's pray. And the Lord rebuked me at that spot right there. And he spoke to my heart and he goes, you've forgotten what I taught you how to heal autistic kids. You have just lost your peace. God rebukes. It was a loving rebuke. It wasn't like a punishment rebuke. It was just like a loving rebuke. He said, do you not remember John 14, 27, that peace I gave you? It doesn't leave. You just failed to recognize it. And I stood there in front of that lady, Beverly Hutton is her name. I stood there in front of Beverly and I recalibrated my heart to the Prince of Peace that lives inside me. See, I'd just become impressed with the problem and failed to be impressed with the answer. And I stood there and I said, let's pray. I put my hand on her head and I swear to you, this was the prayer. Father, I thank you for the shalom of heaven that you inherited to us. And I just bless Beverly right now from the top of her head to the sole of her feet that the shalom, that spirit that destroys chaos would flood through her mind from the top of her head to the sole of her feet that every voice would be silenced because your peace showed up in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I hugged her. I said, good night. And I ran as fast as I could to the door and jumped in the car and went to the hotel. Well, the following, that was a Friday night. Yeah, that was Friday night. On Sunday, somebody Facebooked me and said, did you hear what happened to Beverly? I said, no, I didn't. And they said, you should look on her Facebook. And I went to her Facebook, but I couldn't see it because we weren't friends. So I friended her and sent her a message. And she comes back to me to tell me her story. And this is her story. This is where I found out all the details of everything that happened and found out the doctor's letter and all that sort of stuff. I pray for her and I said to her, Now, I don't know that this is an answer to everyone, but in this circumstance, it just came out of my mouth. I said, do you know why you hear the voices? The voices that tell you to kill yourself. And she said, why? And I said, because you choose to listen to them. I said, stop listening to the voices and they'll stop talking to you. She goes home, she gets in the car driving home and a voice comes in the car. And says, Beverly, tonight is the last chance you have to kill yourself. You need to do it now. And I said, what did you do? And she said, I chose to give thanks that you ministered to me. And I didn't listen to that voice. She said, I woke up in the morning. And the first thing I heard in the morning when I woke up was the voice. And the voice said, Beverly, 
you need to kill yourself right now. This really is the last chance. And I said, what did you do? She said, I chose to ignore the voice like you told me, and I gave thanks that you ministered to me. And she said, Chris, it's now been 48 hours since that voice has come back, which is not normal. It's there, there all the time. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm being cautious. I'm like, well, please don't stop. Don't stop taking your medication. You know, like let the doctor tell you to come off that. You know, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I wanted to see her walk it out. You know, like I'm excited, but I, I want to see the long term fruit. She goes back to her doctor, and she says to her doctor, she said, doctor, she said, I've been to a healing conference and I got healed. And the doc, she wrote me back, and she goes, the doctor now thinks I'm crazier than ever. Because the doctor said you don't get healed of stuff just like that. In, in her kind of condition, she was, really was a psychotic mess. And she said, I want a referral to the head psychiatric doctor that I'm under. He's the most recognized in all of the UK. The doctor says it's going to take you three or four months to get the appointment. And she said, I'll wait. She waits for three or four months. She gets the appointment. She sees the doctor. She undergoes a four-hour examination with the doctor. She's super nervous, right? She doesn't like doctors because the last, you know, she got raped by a doctor. So, you know, there's, there's a, some anxiety and fear trying to come up. And every time it came up, she just stopped and she stepped herself into peace. She goes, peace. And she recalibrates herself to the peace of God. She said, I saw the doctor. I went, underwent a four-hour examination. And she goes... And it went really well, and I got a discharge letter coming. She sends me the discharge letter, which I've got on here as well, and it says this. I reviewed Beverly today. Beverly is essentially back to her normal self. I cannot medically and scientifically explain what happened. But she went to a healing conference, prayed for by a California minister, and was healed. Now, for a doctor to say that, that's kind of like a miracle right there. <laughs> it says, I've, just, I've discharged Beverly from my clinic, but should she feel the need to come back, my door is always open to her. It says, I have retained her on 0.5 milligrams of something. I don't remember the medication because she's a little bit anxious about the possibility of some of the symptoms returning. And when I saw that, I phoned her and I said, hey, just as a point of interest, um, the doctor says you're on that medication and you're still on that. She goes, I was on it for two days after I saw him and I stopped it. That's now 17 months and now Beverly's an itinerant minister in England. She's, she's traveling around, giving her story, running a ministry for young people that have anorexia nervosa and suffer with disassociate identity disorder. And just seeing people set free and healed. See, I, I think, I, I'm, please hear this in context. I'm not against the casting out of demons. But just because somebody acts strange doesn't mean they have a demon. See, autism to me is not a demon. It's a broken brain that just needs healing. And it's little wonder that 
many of these parents no longer want to come to church because they come to church and they try to have someone tries to cast the devil out of their kid every Sunday. And you wonder why they no longer want to come to church. Try and cast the devil out of my girl every Sunday. You're not going to, trust me, I'll be there on Sunday, but you probably won't be because I'm going to knock you flat. <laughs> I'm a high D. I'm like a grizzly bear. You attack my kids, I'll come at you. See, it's the power of peace. It's all I've been doing. There's not, not one of these autistic kids have I tried to cast a devil out of. I've just been loving them. Recognizing who lives in me and living out of that place of rest and peace and the shalom of heaven just spreading it around. Peace. My peace I give unto you. You can only give away what you know you've got. See, what would happen if we stopped trying so hard? What would happen if we actually put the formulas away? I think some of you might have come here looking for the formula. Like I said right at the start, I don't have one. I don't have a secret prayer. Just pray this prayer. It's the internal reality that's going to change the external reality. See, we need to become people that live in peace. We need to become people that actually know that we're forgiven. See, if you don't know that you're forgiven, how can you even live in peace? There's a wonderful story in, um, in the Bible. <laughs> I need another coffee. It's in um, <clears throat> oh, I need a pastor to help me. The presence of the Lord was present to heal them. Luke five seventeen. Thank you. Man, you're not just a man of medical terms. You know your Bible too. It said, and it happened on a certain day that behold, a man. I'm I'm sorry, that's not that's not the right one. So Luke five. Benji, help me. Luke, Luke five seventeen. Ah, it's just three verses too early. And it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and Sadducees of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who was the power of the Lord present to heal? Them. Everyone that was around. Why does the story go on that only one got healed? You read the rest of the story. Only one person got healed. And that's the crippled man that they laid down through the roof. And to that one man, he doesn't say, take up your bed and walk. To that one man, he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. 
I'd like to propose something to you. That you only walk in the level of power to the, know, to the extent that you know you're forgiven. But yet the church is walking around acting like we're not forgiven and wonder why we're so tormented in our heads. Because we have no peace, because we don't know that we're forgiven. I, I don't know that I have full language to what I'm about to say, so you, you like I'm still processing this out, right? So don't tell me I'm a heretic. It's like I'm processing out loud. Skin is not heretic either. I found Jesus on the mountain. That white stuff ministers to me. It's like, that's got to be good. (laughs) I don't confess to be forgiven. I confess because I am. See, at the cross, he paid the full price of my sickness and my sin. This is the way that I've really come into that place of finding peace with God. At the cross, he paid for the full price of my sin and my sickness. I didn't say I don't confess. I said I don't confess to be forgiven. I confess because I already am. See, I don't repent to be forgiven because repentance is a change of mindset. I live under the waterfall of his forgiveness. I am forgiven. Let me put it to you in another way. And this is going to upset some of you, but that's okay. Just hear what I say. I spoke to my wife about this the other day and I made her think. <clears throat> Howl, H-E-L-L, lake of fire. When I say how, they think, my wife thinks I sound like an Indian. How? <laughs> how, the lake of fire, is full of forgiven people. Think about it. Because if we say that they're not, I'm not speaking universalism here, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about how. I believe that hell is full of forgiven people. Because if we say that they're not forgiven, what we're really saying is that the blood of Jesus, the price that Jesus paid isn't enough. And he's got to come down and get back on the cross for that one that's not forgiven. Are you with me? We are forgiven, but it's a choice as to whether we appropriate it. The price that Jesus paid for me is the same price that he paid for the worst sinner in the street. It's a gift that he's got us. He's handing his gift to us. And when we choose it, we appropriate what was provided. Does that make sense? It's the power of the cross. And that's how I've come into such a place of peace and rest with God because I always felt like I was disapproved by God. I always felt like I had to jump through one more hoop. Trust me, when I do something wrong, 
much as sometimes I do. Going back to my first day. You sin, it doesn't make you a sinner. You're still a saint. You're a saint doing an unrighteous act. But just like an unrighteous person can do a righteous act, it doesn't make them a righteous person. And in the same way, a righteous person can do an unrighteous act, but it doesn't make them an unrighteous person. A believer could sin, it doesn't make them a sinner. It makes them a believer having a bad day. It makes them a believer doing a sinful act. But our identity is not the sinner. Does that make sense? See, I, I just I long to see the church walk in this place of peace and forgiveness, of putting this, the cross back as the centrality of their life. Because many churches I go to is no different to the Rotary Club. That wasn't a bash against Rotary, if you're a Rotary member. My dad was the president. I used to go with him. Personally, I never found anything so boring. But <laughs> See, what would happen in us and through us if we recognize that we're at peace with God? And that we are forgiven. And the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is actually already in you. Stop trying to get something you've already got. I am the vine. You are the branches. Stop trying to become a branch. You are already a branch. And you'll really only begin to produce fruit when you recognize that you're actually connected to the vine. It's not the vine that produces fruit, it's the branch that produces fruit. And he says you are a branch. Now, that doesn't mean there's not trimming and pruning. I get lots of that. (laughs) Man, I get pruned all over the place. I don't mind pruning because it just makes me produce better fruit and better vines. Amen? Sorry if it was a little, I mean, it was kind of 301. It's kind of foundational and it's like 301 healing. I don't want to, I just don't really want to teach people like, put your hand out, do this. It's not that we don't do that. We did that last night. But I don't want to skip, I want to see people get healed and atmospheres change because you show up. And it doesn't mean you've got to walk in and, you know, be all spiritual somewhere. I mean, you should just practice it. Go into a department that's not generally a happy a happy department. Sorry if you work for the DMV, but those people I've, in my experience, <laughs> have not been the happiest people. Why don't you just walk into the DMV next time you're being served, and when they're all grumpy and short at you, you don't come under their atmosphere, they come under yours. You release the opposite spirit of what you've just encountered. They're all gruff and grumpy and you're like, hey, good morning, how are you today? You got a lovely smile. It just encouraged me that smile today. See, it's just releasing the opposite spirit and that's how you shift an atmosphere of the opposite atmosphere of what you come into. 
because for too long the church has succumbed to the atmosphere that the world has set, and we wonder why we're not changing society. It's time that we start changing the atmosphere because we know that we're at peace with God and we're forgiven. Amen. When we stand. We're going to do a little prophetic act. We're breaking for lunch after this. Is that right? We're going to do a little prophetic act, and then we're going to we're going to break for lunch. And before we eat, I'm going to go at the back, and we'll sign some overflow books. And I hope I hope I articulated wow what was on my heart. I think there's probably a lot in there to a lot in there to process. But the baseline, I think, is this. You're at peace with God. Stop trying to get what you've already got. Make a good uh, book title, huh? Should write one called that. Another one I want to write is, who do you think you are? (laughs) Now, my book on identity, which is not out yet, is going to be called um, Apprehended Identity. Taking back what is rightfully ours. Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood, Your faith has made you whole. Go in to peace. My contentment, I'm not, cont- I'm not going to be content because I get my miracle. I need a miracle in my family. My contentment is not because some people are like, well, I'll be content when I get my miracle. That's going to change my life. Yeah, probably will. But my contentment is not because I get my miracle. My contentment is because I got Jesus right now. I'm happy. I got an inner peace. I got an inner joy. I'm just a happy little camper. Not because I haven't got my miracle. I have got my miracle. I'm happy because I got Jesus right now. your faith has made your whole go into peace I think that peace is a secret weapon against the devil so here's what we're going to do on everybody just to hold still for a second and I want you just to recognize the one that lives in you the best you know how it's different for everyone so don't ask me how to do it it's different for everyone just Focus on Jesus in you. I want you to put your I want you to I want you to put yourself in a position where you can take a step forward. So whether you've got to move out of your seat or whatever, just be in a position where you can take a step a step forward. If you can't get out of the road, just move sideways, or you know, it's it's, it's, just, it's a prophetic act. When I say go, 
when I, I say one, two, three, on the count of three, I want everybody to take a step forward and it's a prophetic act of stepping what you were in into peace. You might say, well, I was already in peace. Okay, well, let's just step into a greater realm. And I want you to say this. I, out loud, we're all going to say, I'll say one, two, three, and you're going to say, I step into peace and take a step forward. And then I just want you to practice recognizing him in you. Can you all do that? And we're just going to, once you step forward, I just want you to stand there. It's going to be about a minute of silence. I just want you to really recognize the Prince of Peace that dwells in you. pray for you father we thank you god that you are the prince of peace you're not the prince of fear but you're the prince of peace father we thank you god that we're not just in you but you're in us it's just a wonderful union of the cross it's not just about who's who we are but it's about whose we are us and you and you and us, that together we make this dynamic duo. God, I pray that there'd be such a revelation of peace that our contentment won't be, whether we get the miracle or not, but our contentment will be because we've got Jesus Christ. Our contentment will be because we're in union with you. Your peace is, I'll just add this, is that peace is not inactivity. Peace is militant. Peace is not like, well, I'm just going to lie on the beach in Hawaii and do nothing. No, that's the peace the world gives. The peace that God gives is, is actually militant. It's a militant peace that can go forward and destroy the powers of darkness. So, Father, I pray there be a... Just a fresh revelation settle on each one of us of the peace of heaven, that we're at peace with God, that we're forgiven people. 
you, God. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> now stay in peace. You can sit down, but stay in peace. Don't step back into torment. Let's just finish it off like this, is that um, we're all family here. I think sometimes the, the greatest barrier to actually dealing with some of our stuff is actually stepping over shame. Can't stand, I can't stand it when Christians are in shame. We've got to stop saying, shame on you. A few months ago, I was on, obviously on TV, on Bethel TV, and speaking to someone and they said it looks like you put on some weight shame on you and I turned to the person and said I'm sorry I don't do shame they didn't know what to say (laughs) it was my grandmother she's 93 (laughs) don't you try saying that to me Sometimes our answer comes when we actually step past shame, but we've, there's such a stigma to shame that we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to tell people what we're dealing with. So just in the, in the couple of minutes that we've got left, I want to do something that uh, we're going to step past shame because we're all family here. I, I want you to, and what I've been finding is about 65% of the church battles with this, and I'm convinced that 65% of the church battles with it because we don't know the peace of God and we don't know that we're forgiven. I want you to stand if you're dealing with any mental issues. I'm talking post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm talking about depression. I'm not just talking you're feeling a little discouraged today. I'm talking about are you having a bad season or a bad life. You just you, you know that you've got some torment going on in your head. No one's going to shame you because this family, and I'm even going to forget who you are in five minutes. I'm just convinced that if we actually confront this thing straight on in a family context, we'd actually see people healed. But people don't even want to tell people that they're having a bad day because they're going to try and cast the devil out of them. And then I'm going to feel like a less of a person. It's like, man, I'm just so battling so much of depression. I dealt with it too for years as a minister doing healing conferences and go back to my room depressed. It's dealt with me. I want you to raise your hand. One hand up. Everyone that's standing, one hand up. I want everyone that's sitting, I want you to just go and gather around them. Not one on one, but I want a group of people around them. Everyone that's standing. It's just going to take a couple of minutes and we'll be done. We've got a group around each person. Keep your hand up until you've got a group around you. Two or three or four or whatever there is to spread around. We've still got a lady here. I need some... There's a couple of people at the back there. There's only one person on. Okay, put your hand down if you if you've got if you've got more than two people around you. Put your hand down. 
okay, I've still got, I need help right here. If, you've, if there's four or five around one, one person, can you just can we break that down a little further? Just two or three around each one. Okay, we've got, need some help in the middle here. My left. Can you um, help over here? We're just going to take a minute, and here's what we're going to do. You're not going to try and cast the devil out of anyone. I want you to lay hands on them, and I want you to begin to speak life and to speak peace into their mind. And I just begin to speak peace, just begin to pray like the shalom of heaven, make declarations. Father, we just declare the shalom of heaven over this. We're going to pray the answer, okay, not the problem. Just begin to pray the answer. Another minute, just keep praying. Speak life, speak peace, speak the shalom of heaven. Begin to flow through them. Speak to the brain. Speak to the brain to come into order with the way that heaven designed it. Speak peace into the trauma or whatever the trauma is. You don't need to ask them what they're dealing with, but just speak peace into that trauma. Prophesy over them that today is a new day. Speak to the chemicals in their brain to be balanced. to wrap your prayer up spread some love give them a squeeze sandwich them in the middle and squash them Let's just uh, let's close off this one declaration, right? This one one declaration, and we're going to close. Say this all out loud with me: The hurricane around me is not going to be the hurricane in me. 
the peace within me settles the hurricane outside of me. Amen. All right. I'm just going to pass it back to the pastor. We have lunch. I'm going to, right now, I'm going to do a book signing for a little while, and and he'll tell you when we come back. All right, guys, just have a great lunch break, and we will resume class at 1.30 right in here. Bless you and have a good time. And if you run into any sick folk out there, invite them to tonight.